All righty. So welcome to the newest and most action guest packed comics corner ever. Uh, I am John. Um, for those of you who are joining us for the first time, Comics Corner is where I talk to one of our amazing listeners slash actors slash friends and uh, talk to them about some stuff, recommend a comic, and then we get together and talk about it. And this is a reunion of sorts. So yay. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Let's start with our first Comics Corner guest, um, Andrea. Welcome, Andrea. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me back. Yay, I'm so excited. And then, uh, and then Drewzy, I think you were our second. Welcome to Drew. Snaps for Drew. Uh, yeah, this is my second time. Thank for thanks for having me. Thank you. Um, and then we have, uh, I think Chad, you might have been our fourth guest. So welcome, Chad. Fourth is good. I'll take your word for it. Glad to be back, man. <laughs> welcome, welcome. And then, of course, joining us as always, we have the amazingly talented Mr. Josh Wilson. Thank you, Josh. It's me. I'm here. I'm always here. I am the beginning. I am the end. The alpha and the omega. Uh, yeah, but not not the God thing. It's just I'm always awake in here. Yeah. Always listening. Always <laughs> yeah. working. Always, always, <laughs> always listening. Um, Yay. So uh, tonight we're not talking a specific comic, but we're going to talk comics in general. Um, I have some topics laid out, although knowing our, um, uh, for those of you who are into drama and theater out there, our Chekhovian way of going into very strange tangents, um, that's probably where we'll end up, somewhere in tangent land, but that's okay. That's a good thing. Um, the first thing I would like to ask everybody, and Drew, I'm going to start with you because I have a feeling yours is probably the longest list. Um, full disclosure, Drew and I used to work together at a comic book store. Um, but Drew, what have you been reading since Comics Corner? Lots of stuff, John. Lots of things. <laughs> yeah, Care to tell I, us what? You turned me on to the book that we were talking about last the episode that I was on last, which was uh, Batman Nine Lives. Yes, and somehow that got me started on like a string of like '80s, '90s uh, prestige format graphic novels that they used to make that they don't really do anymore. Uh, so I read a few of those, like Batman Night Cries, which I'd never mm -hmm. heard of before. Superman, Black God of Krypton. I read something called uh, Black Widow, Daredevil, Abattoir. All these books I'd never heard of before, but um, yeah, yeah poked into those, and I've been really trying to keep up with DC's future state. That's the thing I'm focusing on right now. Excellent. Try um, try Batman Death and the Maidens. I read it years ago and I really liked it, although it was extremely disturbing. Um, but I'd be interested to know if it still holds up or if it's one of those things that I read and really liked at the time and then have moved on with, like Brett Easton Ellis or something like that. Okay, I know that name, but I have not read it, so I'll definitely check that out. Okay, it's really good. It goes into Martha Wayne and all sorts of stuff. Um, and Andrea, how about you? What have you have you been reading comics since Comics Corner? Yeah, I haven't really gotten the chance to read any good comics. Um, I've been trying to read books again. Mm -hmm. um, kind of graduating college, I had such a bad taste in my mouth for actually reading. Period. So um, I've just been reading actual books again that's I finished three books in like three weeks and I was shocked nice. um I'm trying to read more uh 
classical stuff to broaden my horizon since Josh and I got roasted so hard in the last episode I was in about not reading Tennyson. So, um, <laughs> so I could finally be on your level a little bit better, but yeah. Oh yeah. I'm I, trying to get back into comics a little bit better too about that, but good. yeah. So, um, have you been reading a specific, so we did, um, witches, we talked about witches, yeah. which is a, an amazing horror comic by Scott Schneider and Jock. And sticking with horror or what have, what have your novels been? Yeah, um, I've had a friend, she's a librarian. So she's been giving me a ton of stuff to read. Um, it's mostly been fantasy stuff. Um, mm -hmm. And I am trying to move back towards uh, horror. I haven't really like gotten into any Stephen King stuff. So I've been trying to get into him because he's the big, the big guy. Um, but Jillian Flynn's one of my favorite authors. Uh, mm -hmm. I feel like her stuff is so captivating. And so I have a ton of her stuff I haven't read yet because I just, I read one book and I was, I loved it. So she's next on my list for sure. Nice, excellent. Yeah. Okay, so two things. I'm gonna go like way into prose here. So if you like Jillian Flynn, have you ever heard of Woman in the Window? Yes, I think okay. so. Okay, so Woman in the Window was written by I can't remember the guy's name, but he worked at Macmillan um, and it was picked up by Macmillan, AJ Finn, that's the guy's name. Okay. And that's not his real name. Um, I don't remember his real name. Anyway, there's a whole lot that goes into this, but there's a book called Saving April that was released um, through, I believe it was actually published on Amazon, okay. um, came out the year before Woman in the Window. And wow, those books are, super similar okay. um names are the same plots the same uh it takes place in two different cities um or one takes place in the country one takes place in the city like same twist at the end um if you get a chance i try to con i've been trying to convince everybody to read both of them just so i can talk about it um the way that when josh was away getting his beverage for this i was talking about wandavision just something else I'm obsessed with these days. Okay, yeah. I knew I was gonna get it in there somewhere. I knew I was gonna get it in there somewhere. I'll look into it, that sounds great. Okay, um, and Mr. Chad, how about yourself? Have you been reading comics since uh, Comics Corner? Well, I believe the last time we spoke, uh, we were talking about Ex Machina, and mm -hmm. I read the, the first volume of the Anibus. And since then, I think it's been a couple, couple weeks, um, I've read, the remaining 27 or however many volumes it is. It's a gigantic thing. Mm -hmm. So I was able to finish that, that the encyclopedia, which is Ex Machina, loved it. Um, then I actually went back and I, I you had recommended when we we're deciding what we we're going to talk about, um, you recommended Batman Long Halloween. Mm -hmm. So I went, picked that up, went through that. Then it really inspired me to reread Hush. So I was just kind of diving into Batman again. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. And then much like Andrea, I've just been reading actual books, trying to at least. Yes. Um, uh, well, so actually, oh, well, actually, let me also recommend. Drew, did you read Batman Elegy, a uh, Batwoman Elegy yet? No, not yet. <sighs> okay, everybody take a second while Drew hangs his head in shame, please. Um, but Chad, I would totally recommend Batwoman Elegy. Um, it's by uh, Greg Rucka, who's one of my favorite writers, um, novelist, um, then moved into comics and still does novels as well. Um, and J.H. Williams. Um, it's just the, the only bad thing that I can say about it is that the book ends. It's like, damn it, I wanted you guys to go on for another, I don't know, 40 years, please. Um, so good, so, so good. Okay, um, and 
Josh, so you've been here for all of these because you are the genius that records everything um, and makes us sound um, makes us sound lovely. Possibly. Um, yeah. <laughs> so do you, I, I think you read Witches. I can't remember. I did, I did read Witches. Okay. Um, was that the only one that you read? Mm-mm. So I read Witches. I read a bunch of them for the Halloween episode Ooh. with Vita. Uh, and then I read Wonder Woman for the one-off between the two of us and That's Dead right. Boy Detective and all that jazz. And then I usually like skim the ones that everybody else is doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I am shockingly well-read on comics. Uh, nice. Have you found anything where you were like, damn, I'm really glad I read that one? Witches was the one, like, as everybody has come to learn, if anybody who's listening to this is like a repeat listener knows that I like the spookums. Um, like, that's just my my zone. So, like, um, anything, like, sort of that dark, sort of creepy style thing, like, anything I gushed about, uh, what's it called? Sandman before. Mm-hmm. And like all that sort of stuff. So I went through and read a few of those handful handfuls and Neil Gaiman. And then like everybody else, shockingly, I've been sort of on the book train, but a little bit on the comic train too. I actually went back and read like a couple other arcs of Wonder Woman. Cause mm-hmm. I was just like, I, I had never really gone through this, so I should read it. And then uh, I've been reading a ton of China Mieville. Oh yeah. Um, Cause he is uh, fantastic. He's a horror author that is like uber postmodern horror. He has a, what did I, I just reread, I read it for a class in college, but he wrote a piece called the Dowager of Bees about a spooky poker, a spooky poker game. Um, That's like this supernatural game. 10 out of 10 would recommend. Very spooky, very weird. Um, But yeah, I've been reading a lot of stuff like that. Like I kind of stayed on the track of everything that everybody else has read. Like, within the comic corner, like in the scale of, I need to read uh, the one you did with uh, Liz, uh, Fable 1001 Nights. That one really intrigued me. Like I skimmed it, but I need to fully read it. Yeah, I have a lot of books that I should read. <laughs> I think, yeah, I think, I mean, first of all, I think that is probably how everybody's life is. I, I, I remember being, I don't know, I was maybe 25, 26, and I was working in a bookstore and I remember thinking, I can't wait to retire just so I can sit and read all day. Um, I pro- that's probably not what my retirement is gonna be. This is 2020 America, 2021 America. So I'm probably not never gonna be able to retire. That's what I hope. Although I would Josh recommend for you. And I think I recommended this to Andrea mm-hmm. um, as well is Batman Black Mirror. You did recommend that. Yeah, I need to read okay. that. So it's written by the same uh, Scott Snyder who did Witches. Um, and I always sort of describe it as um, Batman dropped into the middle of Silence of the Lambs. Um, Love it. Really good. Um, it's Dick Grayson as Batman. You can read it separately. I'm not one of those people. Drew knows there's very few. Um, there's not a, a lot that I sort of am addicted to on the Wednesday monthly comic side. I'm very particular about what I buy because I live in New York and we only, there's only a limited amount of space. Um, but I would highly, highly recommend that. Um, actually, I think we're all Batman fans, right? We are all, but I, I believe yeah. so. Not as, not as big as Matthew, but that's all right. That's but, okay. Nobody can match Matthew's passion for Batman and that's okay. Yeah. Well, where is he? <laughs> right. I know. He's he in couldn't New be Jersey. here tonight. I'm sorry. <laughs> 
I tried. I tried to pick a day when everybody could be here, um, but I felt that you guys are more important than Matthew. Don't tell him I said that. Um, we'll no, have I, to, I, I, tell him to say that all the time. A long extended bleep over that whole thing. Yeah, I think that's probably, <laughs> that's probably the best way to handle that. Um, but since um, Andrea and Chad um, and Josh all talked about reading prose, let's actually skip to sort of the one of the topics that I thought would maybe come up later, but let's talk about it a little bit. Um, and I called it comics versus pros and cons. I couldn't resist the, the little uh, pun. I'm it sorry. Was ex- it was excellent. It well, rocks. <laughs> I couldn't resist it. Um, so let's talk a little bit about this. So um, this is one of those things that I find fascinating because I always think there's a lot of things that um, pros can do that comics can't. I think obviously it gets a little more into um, a, a more psychological aspect of it, but let's talk a little bit about the novels that you guys have read. Is there anything that you've read where you thought, geez, I wish I could see a visual of that. I think this would make a really great comic. Um, Chad, let's start with you because you look like you're thinking deeply. Honestly, yeah. Um, one of my favorite book series is by um, Brandon Sanderson. It's the Mistborn series. If you haven't read it, it's fantastic. Three, three, three books. Um, it's an incredibly stylized universe that he's built. Um, and a lot of it is built. It's a, his, the magic system that he built into it is based on elements that people kind of consume. So if you consume a particular metal like tin, you're allowed to see farther than anyone else. If you consume steel, then you can push off other points of steel and jump around. And the way he describes it is when you consume that metal, like you can see things differently. And he, Brendan Sanderson does an amazing job of like describing in great detail how the characters view things, how they interact with the world around them. But I feel like, especially because it's a very action-packed series too, there's a lot of bat- mid-air battles. I think it's it'd be very cool to have a visual of how the gothic world he's built and like the characters and like how the metals kind of maybe increase their physical size and, uh, and increase their uh, mental acuities. I think visually that would be very striking. Mm-hmm. Do you think there's something that you would, um, because it's, there's always that question of when something goes from one medium to another, you know, what, what more can we get out of it? Do you, do you think it's just a visual that you would get out of it or do you think there's something else there? Mm. I'm not sure how to answer that. So I think, I guess I don't really understand the question. So, um, so for example, Andrea, let's sure. talk about Stephen King for a second. I, 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 I promise I, this is like Legally Blonde. Your Honor, I promise I have a point. Okay, so Andrew was talking about Stephen King. Now, the only Stephen King book I've ever read was Carrie. And I will admit that I only read it because it was a musical. And I just thought that was genius. Like the idea, um, but I remember talking to someone um, who is a big musical theater buff. And he was like, I don't know why they did it. I don't know what more they could have gotten out of it. And I thought it was interesting because the musical format allows you to sort of, a lot of the novel of Carrie is told from other people's points of view. It's told from the other high school students. It's told from Margaret's, the mother's point of view. 
there's, there's not a whole lot of it that specifically carry until it gets to the end. And the beginning is really interesting. The, the musical is really interesting to me because she has this very angsty song at the beginning about how she functions and why and all of that. So Andrea, um, I'm sort of, I'm going to go back and forth between you and Chad for a second. Drew, hang out. I swear I'm, I swear I'm rolling you in in a second here and Josh, you too. Um, but you know, that, so that's sort of what I mean by that. Andrea, does that make sense? Do you, have, yeah. have you started your Stephen King reading yet? Yeah, I have. Uh, I'm reading my first, which is Salem's Lot. I know it just, it was kind of one that interests me. Um, so I picked it off the shelf. I don't know if it's any good or not. We'll find out when I finish it. Um, however, uh, I think it's really interesting. The example that you picked, um, I've seen Carrie the Musical and I've seen the movie. I have not mm-hmm. read the book, but I think it's really interesting that you picked Stephen King because it's, he's notoriously an author that when his books are put into any sort of other medium, they don't translate well. And so, however, I do feel like with the Carrie musical, that's a completely different story. I felt like the musical did a really good job of making sure you saw everybody's point of view and really saw the overlap between characters throughout the entire plot of the story. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I think that's a really good example. I have definitely seen books. I just finished one that was amazing, but I definitely definitely feel like the author was, the way that she describes things is so intricately done. And so it's so amazing that you have to take time and really sit. You can't just keep reading. Sometimes you have to stop and sit and imagine it because it's that's mm-hmm. the whole point of the book is you really have to imagine what she's talking about. Um, but I feel like it would have been a little less bogged down if you just could have seen it instead of having to picture it yourself Mm -hmm. like there's a lot going on in the books but it's yeah I feel like there's a lot of books that definitely it could have it would have been amazing to see some sort of artistic representation of that along with the text and the plot and the characters it would have really developed things a lot quicker yeah but so Chad does that make a little more sense now yeah, yeah. I think it'll, I, do I make yeah, sense yeah. or am I just a fool? You, John, you never make sense. Come on, let's be honest. <laughs> um, no, to, to, to play off of that a little bit, I mean, it definitely depends on like the genre of the book and like the medium you're translating it to. Like we're initially talking about prose into comic books. But yeah, if we take a look at movies and books into movies, books into comic books, that sort of thing, it really depends on what you're translating. Um, I, I like to use Lord of the Rings as, as a prime example of that because. Um, I'm, I love fantasy novels. I, I'm a big fantasy fan, but I cannot get through Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Ring. Because every time I hit Tom, to Tom Bombadil, I just lose interest because um, Tolkien is a, f- a fantastic writer, but he spends so much time diving into every single particular detail of like exactly who this character is and what he's doing and like the, the particular leaf that he's looking at, you know? And I feel like that would be would benefit from the visual translate that into I know and Tom Bombadil never made into Lord of the Ring movies, but it would have been much easier to get through that section mm-hmm. with just visualizing it, opposed to having spending spending so much time to very detailed description of what's going on. Mm-hmm. Reminds me of the time I read Atlas Shrugged, a oh nine thousand yeah. page novel that could have <laughs> been sixty pages. Thanks, Ayn Rand. Thanks. That's six months of my Bioshock. life that I'm getting back. What? 
just play Bioshock. That's that's uh, that's Atlas Shrugged in the yeah, video game next, format. <laughs> next time. Now, Drew, I'm going to put you on the spot here for a second because obviously we we both worked in a comic book store that had a lot of superhero novels. Um, have you ever read one of them? No, but. I've read comic books before and I've read books before. So I feel like I can make up the difference in the middle. All right. Um, so I thought I, maybe I misunderstood the, the topic when it was introduced to me, but I thought it was, I prepared for what comic books can do that novels cannot do. That's good. This is wide open. This is let's, let's cool. tangent. Yeah. Okay. That's, yeah. That's what I have. So uh, obviously, you know, there's the visual component, but it's um, I think one of the things that, that strikes me about comic books as opposed to books is that you can linger on a uh, like a singular moment, like a splash page. There's there's more to pour over as opposed to in a book. You can put emphasis on a moment, of course, but if it's you know in a in a comic book with the, with the visual representation, there's more to. Um, I feel like there's there's more to to linger on with like a, a splash page, uh, and the. Obviously, one of the, the bigger differences is the uh, collaborative component of comic books. You, know, you, have, you have your writer, your two major components, I guess, would be your, your writer and your initial penciler, your artist. Um, and because it's so collaborative, you can have, it allows for more variation in the same story, even if you have the same writer and the same voice, you know, you get a different writer, or you, you get a different penciler, you get a different colors, you get a different anchor or whatever. But uh, uh, what else? What's another one? Oh, I think uh, comic books provide more ways to distinguish individual characters. And the, the book that I thought of immediately, um, as far as that goes, is Asterius Polyp. Have you read Asterius Polyp, John? Uh, I, I have read bits and pieces um, because yeah. we used to work when, actually, I think he left before you worked there, but Tyler. Um, yeah, no, yeah, Tyler Boss. Recommended it to me, yeah. Okay. Yeah, and yeah. So Asterius Polyp, it's every single character in that comic has not only their own uh, like visual language, but their their text bubbles are distinguished from every other character. There's a different font. There's a different shape of the way that their text bubbles are formed, um, and that's just something that uh, you can. I think it's something you can only do. In like, do you think it's more? Uh, do you think it's a more um, Pure isn't the right word, but it's the word I'm going to go with for for the moment. But do you think there's a more pure intent when it's just a, a, one writer as opposed to a writer and then involving other collaborators? Yeah, I think that's a good word for it. It's pure. It's definitely pure, and it's definitely um, you know I was talking about collaboration, but if you if you take that away, it's definitely more uh, of one vision. I think mm -hmm. that's true. Okay. Um, and Josh, let's let's kind of throw this, the next part of this to you. Um, have you, you, I don't think you've done superhero novels before, um, no. but like of the um, China Mieville and, and the, the things that you're reading now. Well, actually Sandman has a number of pro short stories. Yeah. Well, I was thinking what's super interesting if for China Medieval, the, uh, oh my God, what's it called again? The one I just said, uh, the Dowager of Beasts would be so interesting to see mm -hmm. visualized because like, it's all just like these cards 
that are radically different patterns described like through prose. It would be super cool to see it played out. And then the other two that I think are super interesting from like fantasy land are uh, the King Killer Chronicles. Patrick Rothfuss finished the third book. I'm calling you out. Um, and uh, it's, it's been too damn long. Actually take your time. These great things take time. I understand. Um, but yeah, finish it. It's, he's never going to finish it. It's never going to happen. He plays D&D all the time. And I respect D&D as an art form. But man, you got to finish the book. Um, but, um, you know, that uh, that story, I'm also going to leave out like no spoilers. Uh, those Both of the two books in the series have such an interesting way of dealing with like magic and like there's different types and they do different things and like within that it's super interesting like I can visualize it sort of like each thing being stylized like you know the whole book relies on names like the first book is the name of the wind and like Mm -hmm. you know and like it's non-spoiler like when you like they talk about all these moments when you see the name of the wind written about or the name of fire or like things like that. It's a very critical moment. It is such a visual thing. And they do, he does a great job of describing it, but it would be so cool of like, there are moments when you like can see a gust of wind made out of the name of it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, And in similar vein, the magicians series of books would be super interesting. Like, Oh, the Grossman. Yeah. Yeah. Because like, I know it's a TV show. I haven't seen the TV show sorry um flame me on twitter i don't check it um (laughs) and uh, um he uh it's so interesting because like that has the same thing of like the complexity of the magic would really benefit from a visual component um it's similar to like the stuff that we do in our other series where like i yell at kelly because he asks for something and i'm like it needs a visual component and you're just asking for a sound thing it's even more exemplified in prose like you just have to make somebody pretty much just hallucinate what's going on mm-hmm. um and while that can be used in your advantage um you know it's really interesting to think like what can be used and what can't but those would be my like three things i think magic is a very in, like hard magic systems like really complex hard magic systems like in the magicians and in the name of the wind uh where you know the system is just described it would do great from like an anime style you know anime does a great explanation of this um yeah So it's interesting because the only thing, the only sort of pop culture thing that I can really think of that's been in three different formats, which is um, television, uh, prose, and graphic novels, is Game of Thrones. And I sort of wonder, I read the novels, I watched some of the TV show, I got very, I was like, wait, which grizzled salt and pepper, gray haired white man, are you? I can't, didn't you die last week? I couldn't remember. I got very confused. So I was, so I was like, no, I'm just going to read the books. I had already read the first ones. The John, first two. Is it John, Jeb, Jeff, yeah. Lannister, Snowman, Rainboy? Yeah. I remember, can't we just say his name? Like, <laughs> can't everybody just walk on the screen and you just put their name on the bottom? I kept having to turn on closed captions because I was like, who are you? Um, but anyway, that's the only one that I can really think of that has that has sort of three components. I haven't met anyone who's done all of them. 
Um, if anyone out there is listening and you have, I would love to know what you think about, you know, what each medium brought that the other didn't. Because um, I think ultimately that's kind of what we're talking about. Um, I'm gonna pivot just a tiny bit. Um, and I, there are a lot of, especially from the, uh, the late 80s, and then again, I guess, late 90s, early aughts, there are very, there are a fair amount of um, comics, comic story arcs and graphic novels that did get turned into prose, which I find really, really fascinating. Um, and I, I remember sort of trying to read them, but I was like, I know where this is going. Like, Bat like Drew, did you read, did you read No Man's Land? Did you read Batman's No Man's Land? Not in its entirety, no. Okay, so that was one. And actually that was written, uh, that was Greg Rucka. Um, so I really stuck it out, but I was like, I already know what's happening. I'm, I'm not gonna go through this um, uh, and switch to one of his other novels. Um, but um, I, I will freely admit that I think superhero novels do better when it's original content. Yeah. Um, because I feel like there's just something much more to explore. Am I crazy? I don't you can all tell crazy. me. No, I don't. It's, you have nothing else to compare it to. It's just an original story with nothing sitting next to it. I think that makes perfect sense. Yeah. Um, and I will say there's a really wonderful Superman novel called It's Superman by Tom DeHaven um, that I read years and years and years ago um, and really, really well done. And it takes place in the thirties and you sort of see, you know, it, it, it has some of his origin in there but it's really just a story. It's really kind of just a coming to age, coming of age story that I find really fascinating. Um, so Wonderful. I'll just throw that in there as a recommendation as well. What's it called? It's just called It's Superman. It's Superman. I'll write that down. Yeah. Right um, we did have it at the store, so it was there. But if anybody ever wants to, to try it, um, there's a couple of, actually, there's a couple of, um, there was a whole Batman series of novels. I'm going to tie this back into um, the episode, the question episodes. There's a Batman slash question novel called, I want to say, uh, Helltown. That's what it is. I was about to say from hell. And then I realized, no, that was a graphic novel. It's called Helltown. Um, it's another one. It's out of print, but you can find it online or find it at your local comic shop. A lot of them carry used and out of print books. Please stop by your local comic shop. Just going to throw that in there. Um, I need a wink sound effect for that. I know. Because, <laughs> well, you know. Ding! <laughs> I, I try. I try very much. Um, Let's let's switch topics. And Andrea, I'm, I'm gonna start with you on this one. And um, the reason that I'm gonna start with you is I think this is something that is near and dear to both of us, which is, I, I, I almost wanna say women and minorities in comics, but I just wanna say non-straight, non-white, non-cisgendered dudes in comics. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just, I sort of feel like, I, I, I just, I hate, it, I don't hate the word minorities, but I just feel like our, our minds immediately go to one place. And I think that this encompasses a lot of things. Um, and, and I'm gonna, 
I'm going to put a caveat in front of this, which is I think for a long time, women, non-straight, non-white, non-cisgendered people in comics, I think people sort of felt as if, um, and Josh, Chad, and Drew, don't worry, I'm going to drag you into this conversation in a couple minutes. <laughs> um, but I, I sort of have always felt like there's been an excuse in comics, which is, well, you know, we need to make sure that, that this character, that there's something more to this character. And there's almost this ex expectation that if a character is a woman, if a character is part of the queer community, if a character is African-American or Jewish or whatever, that that means the story needs to be about that person being part of that group. And I understand that impulse, but I almost think it's unfair. So let's discuss that. <laughs> yeah, uh, I have a lot of feelings about this. I was a uh, woman and genders minor study uh, in college. So uh, I actually took an entire class where we talked about uh, women period in comics. Mm -hmm. um, but just the fact that it's, it's something that was originally used, comic books were originally used as a way of um, showing kids what they were supposed to be as people in the world. So it was just, you were supposed to be these upright, upstanding, you know, average Joe, working class American people. And if you saw the opportunity, you needed to do what you needed to do to serve your country. So the fact that, um, you know, after World War II, when women were coming more into the workforce, that meant that women could do that as well, that we could start doing our work for our country as well. Um, it just, it's constantly progressed further and further as we've gone on with, you know, people of color can also serve our country and we can also aspire to be stand-up people in our communities because they are, or, you know, people who are of the LGBTQIA community or people who aren't um, are definitely abled people who just any people who have ever been considered a minority. Um, those people also do what they can to be stand-up Americans and that they don't have to do anything special to do that, you know, because mm -hmm. we're all just trying our hardest to be people in this world. And they deserve to have the representation to see themselves as super, just like the rest of us. So mm -hmm. um, I've always thought it was really interesting the way they portrayed women uh, in comics. Uh, Wonder Woman is like the best and one of the funniest um, examples of that. I feel like that they have. Her origins are really weird. And if you haven't looked into them, it's really crazy and really funny. They have tons of documentaries about uh, this guy, Dr. Marston, that created her. Mm -hmm. was the same guy that created the, uh, the, the, lie detector. the lie detector. Yeah, which is yeah. why she has her lasso of truth. Um, but he was also a polygamist. Like, he was married to two different women. And uh, yeah. It's crazy. You can definitely, there's a, a couple of different documentaries you can watch. I had to yeah. do a there, whole report There's also, that. I'm going to throw a nonfiction book in there as well. Yeah. Called the Secret History of Wonder Woman by Jill Lepore, who did These Truths. Um, really fascinating book. Um, there's a whole lot. Yeah, we could probably do a comics corner just on that. Um, and maybe we will. Who knows? Um, a future episode. Um, but it's interesting. And the reason that I, 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 I 
the idea of representation is sort of fascinating because it means so many different things. I don't know that there's a clear definition because sometimes people just feel like, oh, well, you know, it's because this person is there, that's representation. And sometimes it's like, for example, I was talking to Julia, who's a friend of, of Drew and, and mine, and um, I'm going a little off the rails here. I'm sorry, I'll pull us back in a minute. Um, but um, when in one of the many thousands of reboots that DC Comics has had, they had a golden age character, Green Lantern, um, in modern day, and he was he um, he was he was straight in the original. He was gay in the in the this reboot. Um, and um, what's interesting is in between that um, he was married, had two children, and his son was gay. And um, in a storyline, um, many storylines. Um, but I, I thought it would be interesting. I was like, oh, that would be really interesting to me to see a storyline where the father and the son are both are both gay, but there's this sort of weird frisson because the father was unable to take advantage of so many of the opportunities that the son now has, sort of kind of looking at it from a historical view. And Julia was like, oh, well, I just want to see them happy. And it's sort of fascinating because there is that, I realized as I was talking to her, I was like, oh, that is part of what you and I were talking about a second ago, which is the idea of some of that story is simply about them being part of the community, whereas another part of that story. So I, I don't know, do you, how did you guys define representation in the class that you were talking about? Yeah, uh, we had a lot of different things we've talked about. Um, we had a lot of the discussion of um, a lot of superheroes that are also women have a lot of this connotation of they are also animals like we mm -hmm. have to connotate women as being sexy so that means that they have to be associated with like sexy animals cheetahs jaguars mm -hmm. that kind of thing so like the leopard print that kind of thing is always really part of being like a costume and things like that their superhero outfits um but also the fact that a lot of villains are women as well um mm -hmm. so the fact that it's just uh women are often i don't know they're in, they're integrated into very weird parts of it um i always felt so batman the animated series was like a really big thing for my childhood i watched it growing up it was huge for me i loved it and i think the reason i loved it so much was not because batman was awesome which he is he rocks but um the villains he went up against were just as powerful as he was and they were women and they were fighting for real causes like poison ivy cares about the environment and don't we all like she's we're all just one one bad thing happening from us away to being mm -hmm. eco-terrorists like she is yeah. and catwoman is just someone who had a bad go of it and now she's got but she's got these abilities and she's trying to do good for her community in a lot of the ways that she's portrayed you know it's like it's not just that they're women and they're also have super abilities for a lot of them. It's that they have a higher sense that they have a higher purpose that they need to aspire to. And they need to get that done. I mean, um, but there's also characters. If you go farther back that it's very much, they are women and that's it, or mm -hmm. they're people of color and that's it. Um, uh, yeah, I think we've come more into the era of 
people of the superhero having more of a very um three-dimensional background they're not really these characters that just save the day and then that's it they just go home and you don't know what that looks like so yeah there's um uh one more weird tangent and then i promise i'm going to pull everybody else into the the conversation but there's a uh, there's a book called hero by perry moore he was a writer and a film producer he's passed away but he wrote a book called hero which was um his his dad was a superhero and there's kind of a justice league type of thing and the kid is gay and coming out and finds out he has powers but at the same time perry moore wrote an article called who cares about the death of a gay superhero because in one month at marvel comics they killed off three different versions of north star who was the very first superhero to actually say on page i'm gay it was it's, it's a really interesting article. There's a lot in it that um, uh, I'm sure actually will come out in the conversation that I'm, I'm going to have with Drew. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask Josh a question first. I'm, I'm not putting you on the spot, I promise. But oh God. Okay. I, I, I'm not. I'm curious. I'm, good. I'm curious that I'm going to throw this question to you and then I'm going to go to the, the other two guys. Okay. But um, just a question. Um, how much have you read that has had kind of minority superheroes um, that has had superheroes that has had characters that aren't straight white dudes front and center? It's a super interesting question. A fair amount. I think more than a lot of people, um, whether that be for like, a, a lot of the time it's just because I don't really care in a way of who the lead is if it's compelling story i'll read it but also like it is an active attempt to see because they're written differently like you had said before like stories that feature minorities women all of that are written distinctly different than straight white dudes being your main character Mm -hmm. and a lot of the times they're written better well i'd say a good number of times they're written better a fair number of times they're written horrifically bad and just like you know you get the the jk rowling effect where you're just like what what are why would you name your one asian character in your book series cho chang don't do that how dare you it's ter- <laughs> like that happens regularly but i think i've read a fair amount actually like and i had a sort of realization a little while ago as you know i've been moving around between houses and stuff is in boxes all the time and i was looking at my book like my book stack i i live in stacks of books those who have seen where i where i live know that i just i, I i'm not a shelf person i'm a stack person um and a lot of them i mean the ma- the majority of them are straight white dudes like it's it's unavoidable like if you if you buy books at any sort of rate that's that's just the way it goes but a lot of my favorite ones and a lot of the ones i've read in the past 2 years i'd say 2 or 3 years in particular have been sort of not minority focused some of them are like social justice um like you know societal issues books that very clearly revolve but like in the world of fiction like a lot of them 
I'm trying to think of a good example. I can't think of, I can't. Does it stick out to you when you're like, oh, this character, you know, I find out on page four, the main character is a black or brown person or. No, no. And I, I, I'm not, like I said, I'm not trying to trap anybody or trick anybody out. I'm just curious. No, I, I read a book recently that was, um, some magic book of some sorts. I can't even remember what it was. It was a subway read from a while ago. And it's two, like two brothers. One's magical. One is not They're you know, like, Oh, uh, infinity son. No, close. The same concept though. Same concept. I can't remember the name of it though. Um, and if you're a fan of Adam Silvera, we should talk after this. We will. Um, but about, so it's the first book of a trilogy and about a third of the way into the book, they just mentioned that one son was adopted and the other, like the family was all black. They just brought it, like they just mentioned it. And that was when I had a realization then I was just like, oh, and then just sort of moved on. But I was just like, it's so interesting that they dropped it in like a third of the way in. It wasn't in like the exposition when they're like, here's the characters in the pretty castle that they live in. And by the way, um, mm-hmm. it was just like, it was some sort of like, you know, he had gotten, the brother had gotten attacked in some way and they were describing the injuries and that's when they described his skin tone. And it was oh, just okay. like, oh, a very clever and interesting way to do it. And I was just mm-hmm. like, huh. And that was one of the first times I had truly like very cognizantly been like, huh, that's interesting. And then just moved on. Okay. Chad, how about you? Um, Cause I think you've, you've probably spent the most time in Batman world of the people on this call, except maybe Drew. Um, although even though I'm older than the two of you combined, um, but um, how about you? I'm going to throw the same question that I had to Josh to you. Um, how often do you, have you read um, something where the, the lead character is in a straight white cisgender dude? Not a whole lot, honestly. Um, recently, not at all. Uh, it's whenever something comes into play where a character is, I know we talked about not liking this word, but if a character is of a, a, a minority in some way, um, it's never really broadcast. It's kind of like, this is, how, this is what it is. This is how it is. And the last book I really read was, oh God, it must've been, must been a decade ago. Actually, I was reading, it kind of ticks the box, a couple of different boxes for this, this call. But I was reading The Adventures of, of or The Amazing Adventures of Cavalier and Clay by Michael Shaver. Oh, love the book. So good. Love the book. It's one of the best novels I've ever, ever read in my entire life. It's just brilliant. And it's just, it's about these these two boys back in, what, the, the 40s? I can't even remember. And, yeah, late um, 30s, early Late 40s. 30s, early 40s, right before World War II. And they get into the comic book world as as writers and producers. And one of them just happens to be gay. And that's not really... I mean, it's alluded to a little bit, but I didn't really pick it up. And it wasn't until towards like the third, the third act of the book where you realize, oh, this character is definitely gay. And you start mm-hmm. seeing like how that's stigmatized and like they, then it becomes this, this issue that, that, or this, this political issue and like what he's dealing with, with the people surrounding him in the society. But before that, it was never really a problem. He was just who he was. And it only became a problem when people, other people, other people made it a problem. Mm-hmm. And I really like that about it. Um, but beyond that, like what I've what I've been reading recently, I've I've 
been reading the Wheel of Time series uh, for the third time, I think. And what's interesting about that book series, it's, it's a 14 book series and they don't really touch on race. Everything they deal with is about um, nationality, like where, where they live and where they're from and what, what belief system they have. And the reason I bring this up is because uh, Amazon is, is producing the TV series um, and this is the first season should be launching next, next year or so. And there was a lot of controversy um, from the, the toxic side of the fandom when, when they were casting these main character roles and they were casting the majority of them with you know, uh, black, brown, Latino, uh, female, cisgenders, everything. They're, they're going the gambit on the casting. And it made perfect sense to me because in no point in the books was a race ever mentioned. Mm-hmm. And they were just these intensely powerful, beautiful characters. And it didn't matter if one of them was black or white. It just, they were amazing characters. And I'm really excited to see the show because it makes sense when some characters are just powerful for the sake of being powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, side note, before yeah. I forget, to Chad's point, Andrea, remind me to discuss um, a, a, a shameful yet fascinating Golden Age Wonder Woman moment in issue number one. Um, and we'll do that. I don't, I, I, it's not something that I want to add to this conversation because it, it's so distracting, but remind me to discuss it with you. Okay. Um, okay. Sorry, Chad. <laughs> no, it's fine. I, I, I was pretty much done with what I had okay. to say. Um, so now, Drew, you probably, you may have a very different response to this because you, you and I worked at a comic shop in New York City. Um, a good portion of the people who work there are part of the queer community and, my, and or minority. Um, I'm just going to use the word because it's the easiest, it's the easiest word to use. Um, so you probably, and, and, you know, comics fans, com- people who buy comics very much are vocal about everything. So you probably hear a lot of things from all sides. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, now I know that Julia and I specifically do look for comics with, with queer content in it. Um, have we sort of talked about anything that we've that have you picked up anything that we've sort of talked about kind of in passing you were like oh that's have you ever been like oh that sounds kind of interesting I'm going to pick it up well you've been recommending Batwoman Elegy for probably six years at this point and I'm sorry that I I still haven't read it I think I own it actually I think it's sitting on the shelf right over there I just have to pick it up Um, every year you don't read it Drew it puts a stone in my heart (laughs) sorry John um yeah, I mean, I don't know. I'm really bad about, and Julia will, will tell you this, I'm, I'm really bad about uh, just following through on any kind of recommendation that I'm given. But um, uh, Julia, actually, she recommended this uh, prose novel that we have at the store called Magic for Liars. Are you familiar with that, John, or anybody? Mm, why do I know that? It, I, think I feel like I know that too. I need to. I, I feel like so it's familiar. on my. It's on my list. Hold on, I need to go to my. my By Sarah Gailey, it came out. I think last year. I want to say it was 2020, maybe 2019. Um, and it's very, uh, it's very Harry Potter esque. I think that's a very direct influence. I don't think it hides that that's an influence in in the book. And it's, it's told, from the perspective of, one of two sisters. The other sister 
uh, you know, it's, it's a world where people are magic and they, they, they have their powers and they go to a magic school to learn how to do those things. The, the other sister is such a person. She, she's magic and she goes to her magic school and she grows up to be this like great magic professor. And the sister that we focus on is non-magic. And she kind of has to live in this space where she is just a normal, boring human being who has to live with the fact that there is this whole other magical world. Um, and she's kind of, it's like, what if uh, Petunia Dursley grew up to be Jessica Jones is basically what this character is because she's brought into this, she, she brought over to the magical school because there's a murder and she's a, she's a private detective. And uh, this, is, this is a big long tangent to circle back around to the fact that there, there is uh, gay content in this book. And that was something that was recommended to me. And it was refreshing because it's like, you know, like you said, there's so, so much of what's out right now and so much of what I'm exposed to and, and all the, the characters that I like. It's a lot of like straight dudes. And um, for, as is true for like any medium, I assume it's with comic books, if you read them, for long enough, you get very intimately with what all the tropes are. And I feel like my instinct nowadays, if, if I pick up a book and it's, there's a focus on someone who isn't the white dude, I'm kind of just waiting for them to mess it up. Like, oh, how are they gonna, how are they gonna screw this up? Uh, so when I find something that doesn't uh, just blow it immediately, completely, I'm, I'm very hooked and very interested. I muted, sorry. Um, I looked up the cover and now I know why I know the book. Yes, it is Julia, she did recommend it. So yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, it, it's, it's interesting and um, I, don't wanna, I don't wanna drag anyone else into this sort of musing if everybody else is like, I'm not touching that one with a 10 foot pole. But it, it's interesting that, you know, I, I think I was 20, six before North Star actually said I'm gay on a comic book page. Um, I do remember there was one character in a Wonder Woman annual that George Perez wrote that where he, um, he also was gay. Um, but it was interesting that I, I sort of feel like I've spent, you know, 30 years of my life kind of only reading about straight white guys that it sort of is almost refreshing now that I, I'm like, oh, I'm so sick of that point of view. And I sort of feel like I'm immediately gravitating toward, I gravitate towards anything that is not that simply because I feel like I just want someone else's point of view. Um, and so if anybody wants to answer this, nobody has to, but I sort of wonder, do, do, do other people feel the same way? Do other people feel like, you know what? I just want, you know, has anyone ever gone? I just want to read a book about Wonder Woman or about Hulkling or about anyone who's not like me because I just feel like there's something that I'm going to learn from this. And if I learn nothing else, I'm going to learn that human beings are universal and that, you know, while everybody's different, we all go through the same things. Again, nobody has to answer that, but if people would like to discuss. I'll jump in. Like I routinely, I found myself doing it unintentionally and then I notice it as a pattern now. Um, 
I love my, my favorite trope in all of trope land is the wizard school trope, you know, my, my favorite. Um, but I will intentionally, there are a strong number of books, especially nowadays, like in the past couple of years that have come out that like utilize that style of trope, but with non-binary minority people of color characters. And I have found myself just picking them up because they all kind of read the same. Like one of two things happens. They love the school and they go through it and they protect it and save it. Or they find out the school sucks and they leave. Right. Mm -hmm. Like that's the trope. Um, And I know it's going to happen every time, but now I like to see if it is a non cisgendered straight white, non cisgendered straight. Yeah. I said it. Uh, So just a, you know, I get classic white dude, not (laughs) not a me, not a, not a me. Um, It opens, it weirdly enough opens up a lot of doors to give reasons to why that trope happens, like why the person stays or why they go. Like there are a lot more reasons like with um, like if you have a reason to leave the school and it's a white dude, you don't particularly care. You're just like, get out of there, man. Um, mm-hmm. Where if you use a different character, you can point to systemic issues a lot easier. Like it's not impossible with a white guy, but it, is a lot harder to do and it is so much easier to just be like oh there are huge systemic problems within this wizard school um and i have found it super interesting because you can just find a lot of problems that people are thinking about that way like the root of the problem can be exposed really easy. so i found myself intentionally picking books that way not even to be like quote unquote tokenizing my library in a way you know what i mean like my set of books like not to for representation i just want to see the reasons i want to see what they're saying um so if you go see my bookshelf it has a lot of wizard school in it and assassin school which is the has the worst case of men writing women i've ever seen in my life but we can get to that later uh it's terrifying <laughs> terrifying my favorite genre is men writing women just awful just like they've never even seen a woman in their entire lives they've only had it explained to them vaguely what a woman is andrea i think you were i think you were working at the bookstore with me when i read this book like i read it in the break room of this book i had just picked it up because i'm a person who shops by covers Mm -hmm. and uh i the cover was amazing and it was like it's an assassin school um and i was like great I love this. So I read the first three pages and it was just like this young girl assassin was killing this dude by making out with him. And it was graphically explained. It's what we do. I mean, I can't explain it otherwise. It's what we do. You could have just killed him. You could have just done it. And I was so upset I did read the rest of the series in the end because it actually had some cool stuff in it, but it had like in each book, there were like two or three sections where I was like, I'm just not even going to read this. Like yeah, it was really cool parts when it was really cool, really cool systems of doing things. But this guy should have just, you could have just honestly at this point, you should have just made it a straight white dude. You should have just done it. Like it would have been. I'd be fascinated if you go back and look at it and see who edited it. I, I'm it guessing it was. Hold I'm on. guessing it was probably another white dude. But yeah, hold. Yeah, I'm. While while you guys talk, I'm gonna look it up. Okay. If we can't just be like completely oversexualized in the first couple pages of the book, like why would we not be objectified? There's just no other point for it. 
it I, made me if hate. i can take up from where you left off josh yes. um i have a really close family member that came out um a couple of years ago and i've always been super into comic books and super into well i like not physically reading them but the superheroes and the lore and the plots the people they come into contact with um and just what that all entails i've always been super into it and they just never were we were uh, like really close so we always watched the same stuff um so whenever i wanted to watch batman or whenever i wanted to watch whatever the new movie was they just never were really into it and then uh their partner got them to watch the new black panther movie that came out a couple years ago and they immediately after watching it texted me and they were like this was the most amazing movie i've ever seen like it was my favorite movie i've ever seen that was a superhero movie and um which arguably people have said it's one of marvel's not great like it's not great on the plot it's whatever it's not one of the best marvel movies whatever i would disagree i loved it but um I asked them why they liked it so much. And they said it was purely just because it was different. It was the people were different. The actors were different. It wasn't the same five white dudes in the Avengers that are in every single movie fighting another boring white dude that is just trying to gain more power. Like it's the, just the fact that it was, it had some sort of racial struggle in it and it had actual real world stuff that was happening in it. There was drug wars in it. Like it was a whole thing that was there it just it felt more real to them i guess than a lot of the other stuff that we have which i guess was a lot of what superhero tropes are supposed to do is just to glaze over the really bad parts of what society has going on but also i think it's i think what we're moving towards is more of a also this is what's happening and we need to address it yeah so i think that's why it's great yeah, it's so funny. As we're talking, I keep writing more and more notes, and I'm like, if we just keep going on, this is going to be like a three-part yeah. segment because I'm I'm really fascinated by this conversation, and I'm trying to. We've only sure got we... like five or ten minutes left. Yeah, like yeah. So yeah, uh, stay was... tuned. If everybody can stay around, I, I'd love to keep going because yeah, I think we can we can just party on. Yeah. To hear the rest of our answers to this question and to hear the other questions, you can tune into the next episode in two weeks. Thanks for listening to this episode of John's Comic Corner. You can find us on all social media platforms at The Cruelest Month Podcast. You can find us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash the superhero podcast. Thanks for listening.